I recently <clears throat> moved my office here at church uh, for the past, uh, oh my gosh, eight years, nine years? Eight years, I think. Uh, I've been off by the kitchen. Maybe you know where it is, by the gym. Uh, they kind of put me in a closet where, where maybe no one would see me, but, but now I finally made it to the, the hallway where the rest of the staff and pastors are. So uh, right now my, my office is actually right next to my dad's. It's in a hallway that I used to race down as a kid. Uh, I remember every time I, I would enter into that hallway on the archway, there's a, uh, a bathroom sign and I, I would try my best to jump and try to slap that sign every time. And eventually I, I grew tall enough and I could reach the sign with ease. So uh, every time with a, with a running jump and a sense of pride, I, I would jump and I would slap that sign as, as hard as I could. And I remember one time I slapped it so hard uh, it fell to the ground. My parents, they got a stapler and a chair and they, they made me put it back. But I have so many memories in that hallway so many memories growing up here at this church. Growing up here, I've been surrounded by so many amazing people, so many people that had a positive influence on, on me and my belief in God. Two of those people being my incredible parents. Uh, as I grew and I witnessed their faith lived out in their lives, my belief in God, it was secure, it, it was stable. Uh, I feel like I've always believed in God. I, uh, my faith in him has always been steadfast thanks to my parents and this church. Uh, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose from the dead. And, and with that belief in my heart, I, I was baptized in our, our chapel when I was a kid. I continue to grow in my faith, trying to base my faith off of the example of my parents' faith. I had so much respect for my mom and dad uh, and though uh, eventually I became full of teenage emotions and we would often have disagreements or arguments, uh, I never wanted to do anything that would hurt them or, or make them think less of me. By my sophomore year of high school, though, um, things were changing for me dramatically socially. Um, a group of friends that I had been really close to through elementary school and through middle school, uh, they were starting to be interested in, in other things. And slowly, uh, they stopped inviting me to do things. Or, or maybe it was me that was slowly drifting away from them. Either way, it happens, right? But in that moment, I, I had no idea how to deal with it. And as a result, I began to feel lost. I began to feel like I didn't fit in. I began to feel all alone in this, this sea of kids that I had known for over a decade. I began to seclude myself. Uncertain if others even liked me, there's something wrong with me. I began to feel lost, uh, alone and insignificant. Eventually, I, I got comfortable and, and used to not hanging out with those same friends that I had been close to for so long. It, it, it was easy to connect with other kids in the school because we'd all been together uh, for so long. But still, it was just different. Or maybe I was the one that was different. In the midst of all that though, all, all that struggle socially, I, I still held on dearly to my belief in God. I, I went to church on the weekends though. Um, the, the only time I went to youth group was when I was grounded or in trouble. Um, but it became harder and harder to base my faith 
off of my parents. I was trying so hard to carry my faith the way that they carried theirs, but it was not working. Uh, as a result, I, I felt alone in my walk with God. I had so many questions, but I had secluded myself, so I had no one to aid me in finding those answers. I had two amazing parents, amazing examples of faith, but I was struggling to see how their faith could fit in my life. I was a part of an amazing church, amazing examples of faith within this church of people I loved and respected, but I was struggling to see how their faith could fit in my life, almost as if I would never attain that level of faith that they all had, as as if it was something I could never possess, almost as if it was something I was not good enough or worthy enough to receive. So I started to fall away. I I started to think I I have no deep connections at school. I have no close friendships. Well, why would that be different with God? I started to feel numb in my faith, not losing my belief, but definitely not growing. I, I felt broken beyond repair. I found a deep love for music. I buried myself in that, finding new bands, new music to listen to. It became my escape. It became my passion. It became all that mattered. Eventually, my senior year of high school arrived. I had become comfortable around all the kids in my, my class, but still I had no close or deep friendships. Again, I feel like that was all on me. I had secluded myself, scared to get close to anyone, thinking that they wouldn't, want to be my friend, that I would be rejected. I continued to fuel my love for music, though, continued to search for my faith and my belief in Jesus, uh, but I began to feel very apathetic that year. I began to feel like nothing really mattered. I simply just went through the motions of going to school every day and just sitting in class. I had no real hope or ambitions. I just wanted to get through that school year, graduate, get done with it, and who knows, who cares? My second semester of my senior year, though, I had a study hall, and that study hall consisted of um, juniors, seniors, uh, sophomores. Amongst the juniors was a, a kid named Joel. Um, I, I noticed some of the band shirts that he was wearing. He noticed some of mine. Eventually, we realized we were into some of the same music. That's how our friendship started. We talk about bands that we liked, and I, I tell him some bands to check out, and, and he'd tell me the same. Eventually, I found out that he was a believer, that he was a Christian. And the next couple of months, our, our friendship, it continued to grow until eventually he invited me to hang out with some of his, some of his friends that he had outside of school, some of, some of his friends that were also Christian. I was very hesitant, but I overcame that fear uh, at the thought of actually having close friendships with people that not only are into the same music as me, but um, shared the same beliefs in God. And we all clicked instantly. The, the group consisted of around five or six people. We coined ourselves as the, the B-Town crew, probably the most boring group of high schoolers you'd ever see. Uh, we didn't do anything crazy. We didn't do drugs. We didn't drink. A a crazy night for us, a wild night for us um, was pizza rolls and and throwing a bouncy ball at a ceiling fan and seeing who could dodge the ball as it flew through the air. We didn't have girlfriends either. Um, Well, actually one of us did. Uh, (laughs) But nights full of laughter, video games and music. And as I grow closer to them though, I began to see how strong their belief in God was. 
uh, they were so outward about it as well. I remember one time watching my friend Marky, he was, had his guitar and on his guitar, he was uh, putting these individual uh, sticker letters on um, the front of his guitar, spelling something out. I watched him do it. And eventually I realized he was spelling out, I believe in God. I remember watching him do it thinking, why would he want everyone to know that? Uh, my faith at that point had been something that I buried deep down, something that I didn't tell anyone about. But, but with that group of friends, I began to realize that faith was not just something you believed. It was something you lived out. In everything you did, in everything you said, you, you lived it out. And they didn't force their own beliefs on me. They, they simply just lived them out. Most of us, eventually, uh, we all were in a band together. We found a passion in playing music together, music that sounded like the music we liked, but also music that would represent our, our faith in God. We went on tours across the country and played tons of shows, uh, even played here at the church once or twice, but our, our friendship and our bond had just continued to grow and strengthen. That group of friends, they brought me so much clarity and peace at that time in my life. They accepted me with no judgment. They stood by me no matter what. We prayed together and I began to see that they really cared for me. I no longer felt lost or alone or insignificant. And through it all, they showed me what it really means to live out a belief in Jesus. As a result, I was able to develop my own personal relationship with Jesus, all because of that relationship with my friends. They helped shape the person that I am today. Without them and their impact in my life, I, I am certain I would not be the same person I am today. They were vital to my relationship with Jesus. They, they helped prepare my heart for Jesus to do the rest of the work. And as I look back, I, I can see how God was working through it all. And I'm so thankful that he brought my friend Jolie into my life right when I needed him. I, at that point in my life, I was just ready to give up. Just graduate high school and then, then who cares? But because of my friendship with Jolie and my friendship with Marky, Ryan, Mikey, and, and Jess, the B-Town crew, they, the way they treated and loved me, and it showed me a glimpse of Jesus a glimpse of Jesus that I wanted in my life, a, a glimpse of Jesus that I wanted to live out in my life. As a result, I, I developed that personal relationship with Jesus, not a faith based on anyone else's, uh, but a personal relationship. And, and through that, I, I was led to go to a Christian college that, that would absolutely change my life forever. It's funny, we can be surrounded by incredible examples of faith and belief in Jesus, but it isn't until a personal relationship with someone that, to, that we start to see God's desire for a personal relationship with us. Not just a belief in God, but a relationship with him. A personal relationship with Jesus that we don't just believe, but we live out. Have you had a similar experience in your life? And can you remember who showed you a glimpse of Jesus, showed you the love of Jesus? Do you remember how much that impacted your life and your relationships? How can we share that same love that we received and not just believe in it, but live it out in everything we do and everything we say? As Christ followers, that's what we have been called to do. But, but how can we do it effectively? Not just shouting our beliefs or arguing that we're right and everyone else is wrong. Uh, not by slamming our fists or stomping our feet, demanding attention. 
And not by typing in all caps on Facebook, not caring about who we hurt as long as we get our point across. Uh, How do we do it like my friends did it for me? With, With love and care, how do we do it so we can give others a glimpse of Jesus? And thankfully, Jesus has given us a process that we can follow for sharing his love. He he has shown us how to do it. And it's up to us to start that process and live it out in our own lives. Jesus, he has a desire for everyone to hear his message and he wants to partner with us to share that message. And Jesus' ministry, he would travel from town to town and, and he would teach him people in those towns. They would swarm together. They just wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to get close to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. As he taught, he, w- he was able to meet so many different people. And as some people met Jesus and they got to know him, it changed everything for them. And people were inspired to do better and be better because of him. Some people even left uh, healed from sickness or, or ailments that they had carried with them for so long. A simple encounter with Jesus changed everything. In Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus calling some of these people together and giving them directions. Here's what the Bible says. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus, he was sending these 72 people out to prepare the people in each town he was planning to visit, not to do the work that Jesus was was intending to do, but to prepare the hearts of the people in those towns for Jesus's arrival. These 72 people, they had no natural qualifications to do this work that Jesus was calling them to do. They they were just normal people, ex-tax collectors, ex-prostitutes, people who had been previously blind or mute, people who had come into contact with Jesus and, and their lives were changed, people who had encountered Jesus in their town, people who had felt lost or broken or beyond repair, put back together by the love of Jesus repaired by their relationship with him, ready to apply his teaching to their lives and live it out, ready to follow his instructions, to share that same love and that same care that Jesus had showed them. And again, not to do the work that Jesus was going to do, but to prepare the hearts of the people in those towns Jesus would visit, to give them a glimpse of Jesus in their words and their actions, to prepare them for when they would meet the real Jesus. Now, maybe you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Great Bible story. Now, Jesus isn't calling me to go from town to town or anything like that. How can I apply that and and how can I live that out in in my daily life? How can I share his message? Well, what we can do is we can follow the exact same instructions that Jesus gave those 72 people. Jesus, he created a process that we can follow and live out in our everyday lives, not just read about it and believe that it happened, but apply that same process to our own lives and live out his love through every interaction we have. And there's four different steps to this process, uh, four different steps to help prepare a person's heart for Jesus. And we're gonna spend some time looking at each one. Uh, the first step in the process to prepare a person's heart for Jesus is this, Call down the goodness of God. In every encounter we have with others, we should be calling down the goodness of God. We should be speaking 
peace. And conversations about Jesus, they should not be confrontational, nor should they lead to conflict. In fact, if the peace we offer is not received, Jesus has instructed that well, we simply move on. And there's no need for an argument. That's not gonna help anything. We're not engaging people to win an argument or force our beliefs on them. Only God can move the hearts of people. You don't have to change a person's heart or mind. Just offer them peace as you share the love of Jesus. God will do the rest. We simply offer peace. We live out that peace for the person to see. Our role is to sow the seeds, plant the seeds with peace, and God's role will be to bring the harvest. So as we call down the goodness of God in an encounter with someone, we can help prepare their hearts for Jesus by offering peace. So offer peace to help prepare hearts for Jesus. We live out that peace. And when we do, people will notice. That's something I always notice about my friend uh, Jolie or my friend Marky. They, they always had this sense of peace about them, a kindness that was rooted in their relationship with Jesus, a sense of peace, not conflict. The next step we can follow in the process to prepare a person's heart for Jesus is invest in the relationship. We want the people to know that we truly care. We don't have an agenda we're not trying to force our beliefs on anyone, but we truly care. And to do that, we need to build trust and respect for one another. And this may take time, but it's worth it. The saying that um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care is true. If people don't think you care, they don't want to hear what you have to say. But once people realize that you actually care, they're all in. They're ready to listen to you. Maybe uh, they won't even believe what you're saying, but they're ready for a conversation, at least because they know you're, you care. They know that you're on their side. Jesus, he instructed his followers to eat what was set before them. Throughout scripture, the dinner table is kind of viewed as a, a place for community and connection. Jesus was encouraging them to seek personal connection and relationship with the people they were coming into contact with. If the door for a relationship is open, we should be ready to interact with genuine interest. As we connect, engage in authentic relationships, as we invest in the relationships, we can find ways to let that person know that we care. We can live out that peace for someone by becoming a person they can turn to when they are in need. And by doing this, people begin to realize that you truly care. And the best way, I think, to start investing in a relationship is prayer. And now sometimes you, you want to pray for someone and, and maybe that person is okay with it. But sometimes you ask someone if you can pray for them and they're like, uh, no, thank you. That freaks me out. And that's okay. The best way to start praying for a relationship and investing in that relationship with the person is pray for that person in your own quiet time with, with God. Don't stop praying for that person. Bringing that relationship before God in prayer not only helps keep that person on your mind, but it invites the Holy Spirit into that relationship to work. And eventually your relationship with that person it might get to the point where you can tell them that you've been praying for them. Again, at first they might think it's weird, but eventually they're gonna realize that you're doing it because you care and that you're on their side. Part of making prayer a major part of investing in the relationship is making sure that our motivation is actually for the benefit of the person, not for our own sense of accomplishment. 
And we should always be seeking that God gets the glory, not us. Continually taking it before God in prayer will aid us in giving God the glory. Prayer was a huge part of me trusting my friends and realizing that they genuinely cared for me. I had secluded myself, afraid of getting close to anyone, but as they prayed for me out loud, it was such a huge impact on our relationship and they weren't doing it to make themselves look good. They were doing it because they cared for me. Praying for people in relationships allows us to better invest in the relationship and lets people know that we care for them. It also keeps us invested in, God, in giving God the glory for this work that Jesus has called us to do. So we offer prayer to help prepare hearts for Jesus. And now step three, we have to meet the need in front of us. We, we have to enter into every conversation knowing that there are broken and, and hurting pieces of people's lives. People often, they feel hurt and broken, yearning for solutions. God desires to use us to be a part of his mission to, to help those hurting and broken people and lead them to him. Does that mean it's our responsibility to, to fix and help absolutely everyone? No. Uh, we can focus on whatever relationship is right in front of us, whatever need is presented right in front of us. Uh, here's the hard truth though. There's a high chance that we won't fix anything. But we can walk alongside someone uh, as they struggle with whatever hardship they're experiencing. As we walk alongside them, we are leading them to God. And the simple act of us just being with that person as they struggle can help prepare their hearts for Jesus. It shows them the authentic love of God. The other day I was picking my son up from school, my son David. Um, it was pouring rain that day. So I grabbed an umbrella from the car and I was standing out there waiting for him. And, and school staff had allowed us to get a little bit closer to the doors so that the kids could kind of wait inside. And when they see their parents, they could come out. Um, so I'm waiting there with the umbrella, looking for my son. Eventually I see him, our eyes lock. And uh, he smiles big and he just comes out of that door thinking that he can probably dodge every raindrop if he runs fast enough. So he's just sprinting towards me. His eyes are locked on mine. He's smiling. Um, but as he's running towards me as fast as he can, an older boy turns and sees him and he sticks his leg out. And David, he trips over the boy's leg um, I'm not fast enough to catch him, but I lunge forward to try and catch him. Uh, but David, he crashes against the concrete. His, his pants are now soaked and full of mud. And he, he had put his hands out in front of him to try and catch his fall. And so it was a little scraped. All of his stuff fell out of his backpack. But I, I just kind of kneeled there with the umbrella, trying to shield him from the rain and helping him pick his stuff up off the ground. We get it back into the backpack. I put the backpack over my shoulder and I, I put my arms around him and I, I can still feel the pressure from him. He wraps his arms around me and he squeezes me so tight. And he and I, we walk together and I ask him if he's okay. He does not respond. I look down at him and I could see him just fighting back the tears. I could see the defeat and the embarrassment on his face. And I, all, all I said was over and over, I got you, don't worry, I got you, I got you. 
We get back to the car, he gets in and we, we start to drive home. Uh, I tell him, buddy, I'm so sorry that you fell. It happens sometimes. I, I don't know if, if that boy did it on purpose or if uh, it was an accident. I, I'm sure he didn't intend to do it. Uh, but I am so sorry you fell. The, the worst thing I could have done in that situation, and thankfully I didn't, was give David a lecture. Uh, this is why you don't run in the rain. You need to watch where you're going. Now look what you did. Look at your jeans. Thankfully, I did not do that. The other bad thing I could have done is put all the blame on that boy, made the boy the villain. That's not gonna help David when he sees him at school each day. All I could do is just tell David I'm sorry and that I was with him. Once we got home, I got him a pair of comfy pants to change into. So he changed out of his dirty, wet jeans and uh, I got him a snack and he sat and played some video games, but uh, I don't know how to explain it, but that moment seeing him falling and it just affected me. Um, so I sat on the couch and watched him play video games for a bit. And eventually I, I called him over, whoo, baby. I called him over to sit next to me on the couch. Um, and I said, David, you, you know, I'm not always the best dad. I, I know that. And I wish I could have caught you before you fell today, but I couldn't. But I want you to know something, that I'm always gonna be there to pick you up after you fall. I'm always gonna be right by your side. You're, you're always gonna have my support. I'm always gonna have your back. I love you so much. And he looks up at me and he laughs because I'm starting to cry like I am now. <laughs> And then he goes back to playing his video game. Uh, but it just made me think, people aren't always looking for us to fix their problems. Uh, they simply just need to know that we're there, that we're, that we're with them, that we're gonna continue to walk alongside them through whatever they're going through. Uh, we're not always gonna be able to catch them as they fall, right? Uh, but we can be there to help them up to their feet and, and walk alongside them. As that need is right in front of us, maybe we can't fix it completely, right? But simply offering our presence to that person can help them in so many ways. Not lecturing or telling them, I told you so. You need to get your life together. Not, not even encouraging any more negative thoughts or, or trying to paint someone else as the villain. Simply just be present. Walk alongside them and let them know, hey, I'm with you. I got you, I'm here. You can help and meet the need in front of you by your presence. And this will help prepare the person's heart for Jesus. Offer presence to help prepare hearts for Jesus. Whew, I'm a mess. Um, the final step in the process of preparing a person's heart for Jesus, it's like a tongue twister. Proclaim the good news. Uh, what is the good news? The good news, my friends, is Jesus. Part of proclaiming the good news is showing that there is a better way of life, a, a way of life that's full of hope and joy. People often think that following God is just a bunch of rules that you have to make sure you don't break. As we proclaim the good news in the name of Jesus, people begin to realize that it's more about a relationship with God. 
And because we engage them and wanted a relationship with them, it helps them realize that God wants a relationship with them too. And that the things he has revealed to us through the Bible, uh, they're there to help us have a happy and healthy life, not to control us. Jesus didn't ask his followers to get people to say a prayer of salvation or, or prod them to proclaim Jesus as Lord. They had to proclaim that there is a better way, a way of peace, relational wholeness and healing. It's not complicated. There's no formula. It's a matter of helping people take a deep look at Jesus, a deep look at Jesus and experience uh, the needed wisdom and peace. When we set out to engage Jesus's process, our primary task is to help people see him, to prepare their hearts for him to work. Jesus said once that the whole reason he came to earth was so that we may experience life to the fullest, a life lived for God, an abundant life. As we give people a glimpse of Jesus, we give them a glimpse of his promise of that life. A promise of living an abundant life, life to the fullest. A simple glimpse of Jesus will often leave people with a desire to pursue him. And in the book of John, we're reminded this. Here's what the Bible says. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. Now that is a beautiful promise. And as we proclaim the good news and we can offer the promise of Jesus as we do, and this will help prepare their hearts for Jesus and will lead them to that desire to pursue Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. So we have to offer promise to help prepare hearts for Jesus. And as they pursue Jesus with a prepared heart, a heart with peace, prayer, presence, and promise, we can rest assured that those seeds that we have planted will continue to grow at the hands of God. He will continue to work in their hearts and he will reap the harvest. And we get the blessing of watching it all unfold, seeing that life and that heart shift towards God, seeing the relationship with Jesus begin to grow and grow. That's what my friends did for me. They worked the process of Jesus and most likely didn't even know it. They, they were simply living out their love and commitment to Jesus. They gave me a glimpse of Jesus and I, I never turned back. That was 22 years ago. Uh, I know I'm old. Um, but, but that's the, one of the hardest things that I face. Um, weeks ago, we, we had these light bulbs and we wrote names on them of, of people that are far from God in our lives. And we hung those lights out in the entryway so that as, as we walk in, we could pray for those names, pray that those, for those people to come back to Jesus. On the light bulb that I wrote on, I wrote B-Town Crew. I wrote all the names of my friends because all those friends that invested in me, that showed me that peace and that prayer and that promise and in their presence, uh, they don't believe in Jesus anymore. Some are atheists, some are just church hurt. They don't, they don't really care. And so what is my position? Do I, do I just say, okay, well, well, you're wrong. I'm right. You go to live your life. Thanks for what you've done for me. No, I, I need to be that glimpse of Jesus in their life. The same glimpse that, glimpse that they gave me. So that one day through that glimpse, 
through that love, that shining light that Jesus has, will maybe one day lead them back to him. But that's all we're doing is, is trying to give people a glimpse of Jesus, preparing them for when they meet the real Jesus or preparing them for when they come back to Jesus. Living out our relationship with Jesus, living out his love in our lives, living out his process. We've all felt broken at one point. We've all probably felt alone and insignificant. We saw a glimpse of Jesus in others during that moment of need. We felt their peace, prayer, presence, and promise as our hearts were prepared. We felt the sweet embrace of Jesus and he helped put all those broken pieces back together. That's what we get to do for others. Jesus is calling us to live out this process. We, we don't need any qualifications. We don't need any equipment. We just simply need to live it out. And as we live out with peace, prayer, presence, and promise, we give people a glimpse of Jesus and we help in the repair. And we prepare them for Jesus to do the rest. Whew. So I want to invite you today to make a commitment to living out that process in your life, to, to make a commitment for us as a church to do it together uh, so that everyone we come into contact with, we can show them a glimpse of Jesus. And we can do that together this week, actually. Uh, a great way to help prepare someone's heart is inviting them to church. Maybe, maybe that is how you developed your personal relationship with Jesus. Someone invited you to church, you accepted the invitation, you, you came to church and everything changed after that. Christmas is coming soon, right? And we're always so excited about our Christmas Eve services here. We always put so much time and effort into it and we think it's a wonderful time for, for, to invite people. Uh, so what we've done is we've created a, an invitation. As you leave today, you'll see stacks of these. Grab a stack. I'm, I'm gonna take some home. You can, you can take some home and I would encourage you to pray over them. Think about some people in your life that are far from God. People in your life that you can use the process of Jesus for. People in your life that you know need a glimpse of Jesus. And you can be that glimpse. It could change everything for them. But right now I'm gonna pray uh, before we sing another song. And I would encourage you, if you've come today and, and you're feeling like you are that broken, that alone, that insignificant person, and you are seeking a glimpse of Jesus and, and you would just want someone to pray for you, you can come forward as we sing and there's gonna be people here to pray for you. If you've come today and you're ready to take that next step in your pursuit of Jesus, you're ready to be baptized, ready to live out his process in your life. Uh, the, the last, um, I gotta hurry because I'm over time. Um, the last 12 weeks, 12 weeks in a row, we've had baptisms here in church. Absolutely incredible. 12 weeks in a row, people have dedicated their lives to Jesus to live out the process, to live, give others a glimpse of Jesus. So don't you tell me that my God is not working today. Don't you tell me that my Jesus is not alive and well because we get to live out his love, giving people a glimpse of Jesus, leading them to his light to develop a relationship with him that will change their lives forever. 
And we get to do that together as a church. So if you wanna be baptized, come forward as we sing and we will make that happen today. Uh, but before I preach a whole nother sermon up here, let's, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus. As we leave today, we just pray that you would um, use us however you see fit. We know that you are working, God, and uh, we pray that we could live out Jesus's process, that we could give others a glimpse of Jesus, that you would tear down any tradition that we hold more than the love of Jesus, that you would tear down the walls of religion that would keep us from holding high the love of Jesus over everything else, that we could offer peace to others. We could offer prayer to others. We could offer our presence to others and we can offer the promise of eternal life because of Jesus Christ to others giving them a glimpse of Jesus, preparing their hearts so Jesus can do the rest. Thank you for all that you do, God. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwired.com and have a great week.